this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border Porter 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here on a Monday. Excuse me, it's not a Monday, it's a Wednesday. Feels kind of Monday-ish, but we're here on a Wednesday, and uh, we got a lot to get into on the show today. We are expecting a guest uh, at the top of the show in about two or three minutes from now. Uh, we're going to talk a little hokey football with Jalen Lane, the wide receiver who uh, transferred over from Middle Tennessee. Uh, he is scheduled to join us in just a couple of minutes to uh, talk about bowl prep. And uh, getting ready for the military balls, they take on Tulane, and um, we'll talk to him about what it's like, you know, to get ready for a bowl game. Um, obviously, you know, there's some stories out there that are saying the team is still trying to get him to come back uh, for another season. Remember, there's just all this stuff in terms of trying to sift through, like, hey, he's been there four years, but you know. He's still got a year left of eligibility, so we'll try and maybe even convince Jalen to uh, come back to Blacksburg and to uh, play once again for the Hokies. So Jalen Lane is scheduled to join us at uh, any moment now, uh, so certainly we uh, will get into that when he uh, joins us. And he's he's made a couple bowl games with Middle Tennessee, so he's got some experience in this, and maybe he could pass some things on to those guys who have never been to a bowl game. And uh, granted, it's a different kind of bowl game because obviously um, it's a bowl game that's not very far. You're not traveling to an exotic location, uh, but certainly the military bowl has a lot uh, surrounding it. So we will get into that uh, with Jalen. He's scheduled to join us around 3.05. And then, of course, at uh, 3.30, VCU's got a, a, a large game tonight as they take on Memphis. So uh, Rodney Ashby will join us from the Ram Radio Network. We'll get his thoughts on tonight's game, where this team is at. We'll see if he can talk the... Uh, uh, the few people who text us and continue to say, oh, Ryan Odom's not the answer, oh, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can talk them off the ledge. And so um, we'll talk to him about that as well. Uh, 3270-888, that is the phone number, that is the text line. And um, you can certainly get involved, 804-327-0888. Uh, you can tweet me at MidMajorMatt. Station's Twitter is at ESPN Richmond as... Um, we talk a little college football and a little college basketball as well um, here on the show. Uh, do we have our guests? Okay. Uh, joining us now from the uh, Virginia Tech Hokies as they get set for the Military Bowl on December 27th. Joining us now, wide receiver Jalen Lane. Jalen, how's it going? Hey, it's going good, man. How are you? Doing well, Jalen. How's it feel to uh, have one more game left uh, this season with the Hokies? Uh, it's always great, man. It's always great to make the postseason. Uh, so, you know, I'm excited, uh, excited to get more, um, one more game with this same group. So, Is this a little more special because you had to beat your rival in their building to get this bowl eligibility? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, beating UVA is always uh, always a goal going into that game. You know, it's a long tradition, long rivalry. Um, but, uh, you know, it was definitely a special win, a great uh, atmosphere from our fans were there, and it's just, you know, a great uh, team win overall. How quickly when you transferred to Virginia Tech did everyone tell you, if, if this team wins one game this year, it had to be the UVA game. How quickly did you learn about this rivalry? 
Uh, I probably heard it at least five times within the first week of seven on campus. So, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, an important game, uh, you know, just between this whole state. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely knew about it from the jump. How uh, great was this offense? It felt like down the stretch you guys were really clicking. Obviously, there was a little bit of a slow start to the season. You did get the win over Old Dominion, but it feels like by the end of the season, this offense was really uh, was really clicking on all cylinders. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, it just took a little time. Uh, you know, at the beginning, Grant, uh, he had got hurt, and KD came, stepped up, and, you know, just each week KD just continued to progress. And, you know, it was his first season getting significant snaps in college. So uh, you just saw him each week just progressing and progressing. And, um, you know, that just kind of – he kind of made our offense go to a certain extent. And, um, you know, O-line kept stepping up. And, you know, as a receiving core, we had to keep, uh, you know, making plays for him. So – what was the chemistry building like with KD? Obviously, you guys were in the same situation coming to campus. It was your first year as Hokies. What was the chemistry building like for you two guys? Oh, yeah. You know, it was uh, easy to build uh, chemistry with him because, one, he's a worker. Um, you know, he's always trying to put in extra work no matter what it is. And, you know, uh, it was easy to click with him also because, uh, you know, us transferring in, we kind of just related to each other and stuff like that. Me, him, Quan, Ali. Uh, base off. So, you know, I feel like our chemistry was great um, and it built up pretty easily throughout the offseason. And it felt like as you guys went along, the playbook kind of opened up a little bit more. More was available to KD. You were running more different routes. Was that the case that as the season went along, the playbook kind of opened up a little bit more? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, a lot of that goes uh, back to Coach, uh, Coach Bowen as well because, you know, Coach Bowen, uh, you know, he's got a different play style. Uh, play calling style with, you know, a different quarterback in. You know, he's not going to call uh, certain plays with Grant that he will with KD and vice versa. So, you know, once KD kind of got established and kind of got rolling and showed the uh, progression each and every week, um, you know, you kind of felt Coach Tebow open up the playbook a lot more and uh, get more comfortable. Do you feel like you accomplished everything that you wanted to this season with Virginia Tech? Obviously, you guys didn't win the ACC, but you got a bowl game. You guys started to improve. Do you feel like you accomplished a lot of the goals that you wanted to with this team? Oh, yeah. You know, you uh, you know, with our season, you know, there's always stuff that you got to look back and say, oh, we could do better there. But I definitely think we've accomplished a goal making a bowl game. You know, you, you know we uh, had a shot, um, you know, after – uh, the comp- after the non-conference play, we had a shot to, you know, make the ACC championship, but, you know, that didn't happen. That's always the goal when the uh, conference title. But, you know, like like you said, you know, we beat UVA, made a bowl. Um, you know, we did a lot of good things this season. It's definitely something to build upon. How much did you enjoy playing in front of the fans at Lane Stadium this season? Man, uh, it's one of the best experiences uh, you can have. Uh, five uh, home sellouts is, you know, it's a, uh, it's definitely crazy. Um, so you know, it's a it's a blessing to be here, and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an atmosphere you won't find anywhere else for sure. So you made a bowl game twice when you were with Middle Tennessee. What's it like? All this extra preparation time for these bowl games. What was the whole experience like getting ready for bowl games? Those two seasons you made it with uh, Middle Tennessee. Uh, you know, it was a little different um, there because. Uh, you know, the first bowl I made, we went to the Bahamas, and the second one, we went to Hawaii. So uh, the preparation was a little different, you know, because we're going, you know, away from the mainland. So uh, it wasn't as much off time uh, because, you know, it was going to be a lot of traveling and stuff like that. But, you know, I feel like the preparation is it, not too much different. You know, you find your opponent, you start working on it. You know, it's, it's really it's just football at the end of the day.
How much do you also use that time to rest after playing a long season? You still have one more game left, but you want to rest your body a little bit so you're fresh for this one. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I feel like our coach has been doing a great job. You know, you got to find a balance because you, you want to rest and kind of recover from those nagging injuries that's been bothering you for the 12 weeks. But also, uh, you know, you don't want to get out of shape. And so, you know, we've been we've still been practicing lifting, but we also have off days built in to kind of get our legs back under us and stuff like that. So I feel like our coach has done a great job of that. Talk about what it was like this year to play for Brent Pry. Obviously, it was his second year with the school. He's coming off a rough first year. You guys do make the bowl game. What was it like to play for Coach this season? Uh, Coach Pry, he's a, he's a great guy, man. Uh, just He's just the person that you uh, want to play your all for just because of who he is as a person. And, uh, you know, he's very genuine. Uh, he had never sugarcoat anything with us. And um, so, uh, you know, it's just some, somebody, like I said, somebody you want to play hard for. And, uh, you know, he's a great coach. And, I'm glad we made a bowl, and I just know, uh, you know, this is just a, the first step to a long tenure as a great head coach for him. What was it like for the wide receiver room? Obviously, there was a lot of talk about Ali coming in. He's a local product. They, you know, they watched him, you know, score some points with ODU last year, and now he's a Hokie. And then he gets hurt in that first game. What was it like for the wide receiving room to watch him kind of go through this as you guys kept playing? Uh, yeah. yeah. Ali, he's a uh, he's a very strong guy mentally and physically, man. Because um, you know you get hurt second game of the year versus Purdue. You know a lot of guys can shut down, kind of you know distance himself from the team. But you know he stayed with us. You know after the surgery and after he like was able to move around good on his own, he was right back with us in the film room, helping us out wherever he could. You know um, he got to travel with us to Florida State. You know they didn't uh, want him to travel too much with his legs, but. Uh, you know, he just—it shows a lot about his character. Uh, you know, it would have been easy to just step away, but you know, he stayed with us, and um, you know, it—it it was definitely impactful. So obviously, the game's not until the twenty seventh. When will you guys start looking at film of Tulane? What do you know at all about the, the Green Wave? Uh, we started to watch a little bit of film, uh, not too much. Uh, you know, they're—they're they're definitely a good team. Uh, you can just tell, obviously, by their record, they—they've uh, been a good team the past couple years, but. Um, you know, uh, don't know like too much about them, like personnel-wise and stuff like that yet. But you know, we're getting into that as the game gets closer. What's it going to mean to you? Obviously, there's a lot of history on this campus, and I'm sure you guys will take a tour of the Navy campus and learn about what the Navy uh, midshipmen go through on a day-to-day basis. But what does it mean to you to play this bowl game on Navy's campus and kind of learning the history there? Oh uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, a great experience that you want to have. You know, uh, it's a blessing to play this game because. You get to experience things like this, so um, you know I'm definitely excited to you know go on campus, you know, and just learn more about the history of the Navy, this country, military, everything. So um, yeah, I'm definitely excited, and I know my uh, my teammates are as well. Do you know what the player gift package yet is for this ball? Oh, I have no clue, but I'm, I'm excited to figure that out. <laughs> what were the uh, that you mentioned the other two? Did you get good stuff at the Bahamas Bowl and the Hawaii Bowl? Uh yeah, I think. What did I get from I know from the Bahamas, I think I got an air fryer. Still use that to this day. Um, I was really surprised because like, we're already going to the Bahamas and they still got uh, good gifts for us. I can't remember what I got last year, though. But, uh, you know, uh, either way, those trips were great anyway. Just, you know, just going to places I've never been before. So 
By the way, I heard the Bahamas Bowl was a little chaotic in terms of like the, the stands and things like that and, and all the things that were kind of different about that game. They were letting people in for free. Like, Was it as chaotic or did it seem as weird to you to play a game in the Bahamas? Uh, I think the weirdest part was uh, the field that we played on because it was like it was a couple yards shorter than the the length of an actual football field, so the end zone was a little tighter. I remember that being kind of odd. This is weird, but uh, and our practice fields are weird. You know, they don't have a lot of practice fields like in the uh, in the area for us. But you know, other than that, it was a great experience. We stayed on uh, the, the paradise. Um, that Paradise Island, it was, it was definitely a fun bowl. So what is going to help you determine whether or not you want to come back? You have one more year uh, of eligibility, right? Uh, yes, sir, I do. What's going to help you determine whether or not you want to come to Virginia Tech? Have you decided that you're going to spend your final season at Tech? Uh, yeah, I'm still uh, working through that decision. Um, you know, I've been uh, talking to my coaches and my family, just trying to figure out what's the best decision for me, uh, figuring out my draft grades and, you know, what scouts have been saying. So, uh yeah, it's definitely. I, I'm gonna make a decision here soon, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely still. So I got uh, figuring that. Out. I got to ask you also: Are you excited to be in the NCAA video game next year when it comes out? Oh yeah, definitely. Me, uh, me, and some of the guys were talking about that uh, earlier. Um, I already told them. I said I don't care what my overall is. I'm going in there and editing. I won't be a 99. So regardless, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited. Is it gonna mean something for you that your name will be in the game? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, uh, me and my dad was actually talking about this. It was just like, you know, uh, you dream about this type of stuff as a kid. So, uh, you know, it means it means the world uh, to me. I'm sure it means the world to a lot of people. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, well Jalen, Hokie fans were so excited to watch you this season. Uh, go kick butt in the military ball, and thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. All right, uh, that is uh, Jalen Lane, uh, Hokie's wide receiver. Uh, 37 catches, 524 yards, six touchdowns uh, for the Hokies this season. And um, listen, obviously, you know, this is kind of what happens, unfortunately, in college football nowadays is, you know, he's got one more year of eligibility. It's so funny because he's a senior but he and he played four years, but he still has one more year of eligibility. So he's still trying to decide what he wants to do. And, um, you know. Obviously, there is all sorts of factors to consider now. The NIL stuff. There's all sorts of other things to consider. Uh, obviously, he's going to get plenty of playing time next year. He'll be one of the more experienced uh, players in that wide receiving room, depending upon what else the Hokies add at wide receiver. But um, it's the un- this is the this is the unfortunate part. Like me, the college football fan occasionally uh, likes the whole shuffling of the rosters every once in a while. Like, hey, you know, this guy was on this team and now he's on this team. But it's also hard for diehard Hokie fans or fans of any team to, to get bonds with these players because a lot of times they're, they're not sticking around. So hopefully he comes back. He was really good. Um, he kind of opened things up and he helped the Hokies because obviously when they lose, lost Ali in that second game, like they needed number one wide receivers and Jalen stepped up and some of the other guys in the room stepped up and obviously KD stepped up. So like this offense... Um, needed him to play as well as he did. And um, it was a great addition. He was a number one at Middle Tennessee, came right over, fits right in, and uh, everything's good. I will update you. The line is Hokies minus 7.5. Total is 46.5. This game, Wednesday, December 27th in Annapolis. Hopefully you've bought your tickets. Uh, If you have not bought your tickets, well, 
looks like they're pretty inexpensive. So certainly you can do that. And it gives you the opportunity to go and check out Annapolis and check out the campus. Um, I did not check out the campus when I went the last time I went to this bowl game. Um, according to their website, there is a pub crawl. There is also a parade. There is a uh, tailgate. There's something called Miracle in West Annapolis, which is uh, something involving the Budweiser Clydesdales. So um looks like there's plenty for people to do. So I would suggest if you are going to this game, go early. And that way you could kind of get a feel for the campus. Because I think that's, that's also part of what makes this experience so good. I think, obviously, listen, he went to the Bahamas and Hawaii for two bowl games. Now he's going to Annapolis. But, like, there's a different excitement here because they always take you on campus. They always let you learn what the kids at Navy go through. They always, you know, you get to feel what those kids do. And I feel like there's a lot of players who go through that. And they're like, all right, I have a better understanding. And when I have to get up early, I, you know, they understand what those kids at Navy do. So, um We'll see what happens, but uh, thanks to Jalen. And if you just joined us and you missed the interview, we'll put that up on our website, ESPNRichmond.com. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, some uh, interesting college basketball games tonight. We'll preview those, and we'll do a little bit more as Rodney Ashby joins us at 3.30. We'll take you up to 4 o'clock. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Uh, quickly before we get to the college basketball, because Rodney will join us in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, just kind of updating you on the lines and everything. ODU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Western Kentucky in Charlotte at the famous Toastery Bowl. Uh, so that is the 18th. JMU is a three-point favorite against Air Force on the 23rd in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, no word yet on any new head coach or anything there. There's certainly speculation, and we're doing the plane-watching thing and everything. There's been some names that have been floated out there that I thought were interesting. Obviously, a lot of people like Bob Chesney of um, uh, Holy Cross. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's tough because you hope to find the right coach, and it's trying to figure out what the right coach is um, for this thing, we heard from Jeff Bourne that said, like, they're not going to do previous coordinators or anything like that. Like, they're just going to go with a guy who has head coaching experience. Al Golden's name is being fl- thrown out there. Um, Manny Diaz's name was thrown out there. Now, he was a head coach for like 10 minutes when he was the head coach at Temple, and then he decided to go back to Miami. I don't know if that counts. Um, and then there's a couple of other guys like that were kind of out there. Frank Martin, I think, is interesting, of Miami, of Ohio. It all depends on where they kind of want to go, what kind of offense do they want to have, who is a great recruiter, things like that. Like, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with JMU taking their time. I, I know that the names of people who are getting thrown out there in terms of the transfer portal, I, I, I know that's all very frustrating and very tough to see. And obviously, unless these people commit to a new school, the new coach can come out and get them back, you know? So uh, I'm perfectly fine, you know, if it gets ha- if it happens in another week, it happens in another week. I know the timeline was supposed to be they wanted the new coach watching the bowl game, so obviously there's still some time, but this is, this is a really good job, so I wouldn't rush things. JMU has hit it out of the park with the last couple hires. I would not rush things just because you have to have somebody in place. 
So um, we'll keep you updated if anything happens. Liberty is a 16-point underdog to Oregon uh, in Glendale on January 1st. I'll be very interested to see what the Liberty attendance for this game is. Obviously, it's in Arizona. It's New Year's Day. There's a lot of great Liberty fans. It's a far trip, that's for sure. But um, I'll be interested to see what kind of uh, fan reception they get. They obviously will not be as as well off as Oregon will be for this game. And as I said, the last I saw, Bo Nix is playing in this game. Now, I don't know about the wide receivers. I don't know about the defensive guys. I don't know about a lot of the other guys. But Bo Nix playing uh, certainly makes things a little bit tougher for Liberty. And it makes things a little bit better. Like, if Liberty plays Oregon with their third-string quarterback and beats them, which I don't know if they will, that makes things a little tougher. But if Oregon, if Liberty plays Bo Nix um, and goes and, you know, beats them, then look, that's even better. Now, obviously, Vegas doesn't think they will, but um, we'll see what happens. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line for the show. Uh, we've got a caller here on the line. Let's go to the phones and go to Michael. What's going on, Michael? Hey, Matt. What's going on, man? How you doing? I just wanted to sound off on this Florida State debacle. You know, the uh, I don't know if you've heard or seen or any interviews of the players themselves that uh, you know are greatly affected. Have you have you talked to any of the players or heard any interviews about the players? I've seen. I mean, the thing that everybody's talking about the most is the tweet from Jordan Travis, who basically said, "Kind of like, I wish I got hurt earlier in the season, so everybody would know how great this team is." Um, he was very disappointed. I'm going to imagine a lot of them are trying to put on a brave face uh, as much as possible, but they, they, they're, they've got to be as uh, disappointed as anybody else. Well, you know, if, if the committee—they might as well just line these kids up. In a, in, a, in, a, in a line and, and walk right up to them and smack them and said, you losers. I mean, that's that's basically what they did. They oh. justified, you know, picking the other teams and everything, but they literally just smacked these kids in the face and called them a loser. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Um, obviously... You know, we went over this a lot on Monday. We went over a lot uh, on Monday with regards to this in terms of I thought Florida State should have gotten in. I thought Alabama was, um, you know, a worthy person. But, you know, because they're in the SEC and the guests we had on Monday basically said um, the basically the guests we had on Monday came on and said, um, yeah, if they were in the SEC, Florida State would have gotten in. If Alabama was in the ACC, they would not have gotten in, which is frustrating. Obviously, it's not going to matter for next year because of uh, it's going to be a 12 team playoff. But um, for this year, it's very frustrating. It's certainly very frustrating. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. Uh, let's take a timeout. Coming up, a huge game over at the Siegel Center tonight. VCU and Memphis, a return game from last year. We'll preview that one. Take a look at VCU season so far with uh, part of the VCU Ram Radio. Rodney Ashby's next, 1061 ESPN. The NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. Football is motor. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. A huge game for VCU tonight as Memphis comes to town. The Tigers about two, two and a half point favorite in this one. Total is 144. So an opportunity uh, for the Rams to bounce back after their last game, which was a 63-60 loss to Norfolk State. Uh, Joining us now, part of the Ram radio team, it is Rodney Ashby. Rodney, how's it going? 
I'm doing good, my man. How are you? Thanks for having me. No problem. Huge home game tonight. Uh, obviously getting Memphis to come to town. Before we get to that one, uh, the unfortunate loss on Friday against Norfolk State. What stuck out to you in that game? Well, you know, I tell you, it was just so it's tough to understand because we played so well down in Orlando, even though the results weren't quite what we were looking for down in Orlando. We did come out of there with one win against you know Penn State, but we played pretty well and the trajectory was heading in the right direction. And then it just seems like we took a half a step or a step back against Norfolk State. So it's really tough to understand. But, you know, I think that they it was tough to watch in the film afterwards. I think the team really had a had a, a long film session the next day to kind of look at where, where they went wrong and, you know, ultimately hopefully learn something and come back against, like you said, a very, very tough Memphis Tiger team. What do you think could be done in practice with all the turnovers? VCU's 351st in offensive turnover percentage. They had a lot of them against Norfolk State, who doesn't exactly have like a tough pressing defense. What can VCU do in practice to kind of cut down the turnovers in game? Yeah, they definitely have to play some more value on the ball, and Coach Odom has been talking about that this week. You know, he's He's disappointed me. Basically, Norfolk State had seven more shots than VCU did, and that makes a difference when it comes down to the stretch and just losing by three. You think if you could have saved a couple of those balls that you let loose, um, you know, it could have been a tighter game or even come out with a win, even the way we played. So, I mean, ultimately, you've got to play some more value on the ball, make sure that you're getting people with the ball in the right places, and, um, you know, so that they can be successful. You don't want putting people where they have to extend their skill set every single time down the court. And I know that Coach Odom and his staff are working to do that. Obviously, there's not a ton of size on this team, but some of it has kind of been a little bit disappointing. Quaney Kawaney with only seven minutes last game. Roosevelt Wheeler, who I think we were all excited about because he was coming home. He only plays four minutes. What would you like to see the, the big guys on this team do a little bit better? You know, I think that, you know, part of that is, you know, Toby Lawall and and um, Christian Furman have been playing well, and they've kind of taken up those minutes. And um, Roosevelt and then um, Kwani Kwani are trying to fight to get those minutes back. You know, I think Kwani Kwani got thrown into the lineup a little bit more because of the Bearstow injury so and asked to do some things that he probably wouldn't have had to do had Bearstow been in there. He'd have been probably playing similar minutes but a different type of role. And, you know, look, I think Kwani Kwani is a, you know, he's, he's got a lot of games underneath his belt. He's a guy that just needs to see the ball go in, and I think he's going to have some success here. But he's definitely struggled so far. But, you know, look, he, in that typical mentality, you're either hot or you're due, and I think he's due to have a good game here shortly. Is there a little bit less pressure for the Rams because we kind of know that the at-large bid is out the window now and they could just kind of play basketball and get ready for A-10 play? No, no. I think it's too early to talk about that, to be honest. I think that um, this, this team's probably not thinking that way. I don't think they've thrown in the towel on the at-large bid. I think they know they've dug themselves a dug themselves a hole, um, hoping the league can continue to pick them up and do do fairly well coming down the stretch in the next couple of weeks before league play starts. But I don't think these guys are um, are, are going to throw that throw that out yet. They're, I don't think that's even been discussed. How much uh, does it help to have the seniors in the backs court backcourt and Max and, and Zeb? You know, I think it makes a difference, but, you know, ultimately that's got to turn into production, right? You talk about the turnovers, and um, it, it hasn't come a lot from those positions. It, look, if you take a look at the turnovers in the last game, everybody had them. Everybody got in on that act. So I did, do think it helps calm, um, calm the court down a little bit when you've got those two guys. But, again, they haven't played together, you know, and it's, you're putting together all these new players and learning a brand-new system, new coaching staff, 
you know, what this team's being asked to do is difficult. And you're seeing it all through college basketball teams struggling every single night. I mean, you saw UNC Wilmington go down there and beat Kentucky. You saw um, Xavier got upset last night. Every single night it seems like there's some upsets or teams beating teams that they shouldn't. And a lot of that's because of the COVID year. You've got guys playing, you know, over 100 college basketball games now is, is, is nothing new. And they got a lot of experience in the court and some of these non-brand-name brand type teams, and they're coming out and they're winning. And, you know, VCU's got to come out and start to produce some of those as well. What do you think about this offense being, I mean, it, 46% of their shots have come from three-point land. Do you think that's a little bit too much? Obviously, it's part of Ryan Odom's system, but would you like them to maybe not settle for as many threes and try and get inside a little bit more? Well, I think it's when you shoot the team, when you shoot the threes, right? I think what Coach Odom and his staff want to do is that we're okay if you shoot the three, but let's try to get one more pass, one more dribble penetration to get the defense off kilter, one more um, you know, paint touch before you start shooting the threes. I think some of those threes that we've gotten, we can get at any time in the shot clock, and they'd like for the, if you're going to shoot those threes, shoot them later in the shot clock to see if we can get a better shot first. So Memphis comes to town. They're five and two. I'm not quite sure who your sponsor is for the scouting report, but uh, how about a little scouting report for the Tigers tonight? Well, look, they come in and they've, they've played very well. They've got wins over Missouri. Um, they've got win over uh, number 20, Arkansas. They've got some nice, solid wins. Now, they've lost their last two in the row. They lost their um, the final game down in the Bahamas against Villanova. And then a game very similar to our Iowa State game against Ole Miss where they were leading most of the time and then weren't able to finish it up. So they're coming in on two losses. We're coming in on a loss. Both teams are going to be hungry to try to get back on the win column. Um, they do have one of their bigs out. You heard it here first. Jordan Brown didn't travel with the team. He's a 6'11", 225-pound um, guy. And they've got lots of size. So one less one that you know, always, always helps us out. So um, I think that's going to be big. But you know, they've got some very talented players. They've got a kid, um, you know, David Jones is a transfer from St. John's, averaging about 18 points, almost 19 points a game. And he can really go score in a lot of different ways. And, look, they have some rim protectors too, Matt. So we're going to have to get into the get into the paint, make sure we're, uh, you know, pump faking and not letting their block shots create transition baskets for us. What do you think of Penny so far? Penny's been at Memphis for six years. Obviously, they've only made the tournament two of those years. Um, what do you think that Penny's done so far with this team? You know, made the tournament last year, so hopefully he's heading in the right direction. You know, he came out, he was one of the top AAU coaches in the country, has those relationships. Obviously, you know, when you're trying to get into living rooms and you got your own Nike shoe, that never hurts, right? Um, so I think that, you know, I think he's a good representation for the university it's not as easy as you know, as you think getting to the tournament, especially in that league. And I think he saw you know Houston leaving the league this year. You take a look at their schedule, Matt. I mean, they are going through the gauntlet. They leave here and they still got to play Clemson, UVA, Texas A and M. I mean, they've got a heck of a schedule. So he's trying to. He thinks this is a team that can make the tournament again. He just needed the schedule to do that, and he put it together for him. I, I, I like him. I think he's good for college basketball. Um, I'd like to see him have some success, just not tonight. So one of the things I've kind of noticed here with regards to Memphis, and I've always been interested to know what you think of this, he is at, he never lets his players play in the first half when they get that second foul. How would you be if you were the head coach when and one of your players gets a second foul? Are you automatically pulling them, or are you a guy who's going to kind of see how the game's going a little bit? No, I'm a player-specific. I mean, does how mature is that player? Um, do I feel like that those fouls were ones that they earned or ones that they've 
um, kind of got the wrong place, wrong time type situation. So I'm a player by player type situation, but I'm not a um, solid rule. Get two players, get two fouls, and sit them out the rest of the thing. You can't take them with you, and um, you know it depends on the flow of the game and stuff too. But if I'm leading, sure, put them on the bench and let somebody else get some minutes. But if I'm not, in a, or if it's back and forth, I want my best players on the court, and um, I'm hope they have the maturity to not pick up that third foul in the first half. What does it mean to this team that the game, uh, this game tonight is at home? Obviously, they played last year at Memphis, and it's a home-and-home series. What do you think it means that tonight's game's at the Siegel Center? Well, I mean, it means a lot to the, the community. I think people don't understand how hard it is to get a team like Memphis to come into town. And the fact that they were willing to do it in a home and home type situation is is uh, commendable to you know to to Penny and and the type of program he he's running right here. And again, you take a look at his schedule; it's a gauntlet. So um, I think it's really big for the community. Hey, there's still some tickets left. Love for people to come out and support the Rams tonight. It's going to be a fun, fun game to watch. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be some. The points. The scoreboard operator is going to be busy tonight. And by the way, I have to ask because obviously, when you, when you guys created your NIL collective, you came on and talked about it. how has that kind of been? It's been what six, seven, eight months so far. Yeah, it's a constant change, and um, you know we're still doing well. We've been able to give out well over, I'd say, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to student athletes across all programs. Um, it's been it's been exciting. It's been a learning experience for us. And as you know, every day more legislation comes out around it, and so we're we're kind of learning, playing the game along, but. If anybody wants to, um, you know, get involved, they can come to Havoc, UNLTD.com, and um, send us a note. And love to get you involved in the collective. 7 o'clock tonight, VCU and Memphis. Rodney, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, man. I appreciate the invite. Take care. All right. Uh, that is Rodney Ashby of the Ram Radio Network. Um, I, I, it really stuck out to me that Penny Hardaway, 0.8% of the time, will have his player play in the first half with two fouls, 0.8%, which is 348th in college basketball. There are four other coaches who do it less in terms of actually occasionally letting it happen. Temple's at 0.5, Iowa's at 0.4, Nebraska's at 0.2, and Western Illinois is 0.2, and then there's three, six, nine, ten coaches in college basketball who will never, ever play a kid with two fouls in the in the first half. Now, you know, it's Rick Patino, it's um, uh, Coach McDermott at Creighton, it's Danny Sprinkle at Utah State, it's the Colgate coach. So, like, there's some pretty good coaches here. But it's just, it's just always interesting to see how much a coach automatically yanks a guy with 2,000 in the first half. Just in case you're wondering, VCU's at 14.8%, and that is 226th. So, 14.8% is, is down there. And um, so he's willing to play these guys. And I'm guessing it's more, as as Rodney said, let's feel the game out. If we're getting blown out, we got to keep the guys in. Let's do that. By the way, just in case you were wondering, there is the number one team in America at two-foul participation is Bryant, who's coached by Phil Martelli Jr. Obviously, Jared Grasso was there. Now he's gone. Phil Martelli Jr. is there 66.5% of the time that his team gets two fouls in the first half. He's letting them play. The highest of the major schools of the Power Five, Kansas and Bill South at 56.5% of the time. 
So just in case you were wondering, these are the nerd stats you can find on uh, KenPalm.com. Uh, other games real quick as we touch on some of the other ones involving the state schools. ODU is at William & Mary. ODU is about a four-point favorite. William & Mary, who knows who's available? Everybody's heard it feels like on William & Mary. Obviously, it's a huge game because Old Dominion's coming to Williamsburg. But four-point favorites the Monarchs are tonight. I have no idea who's available for William & Mary. It feels like, as I said, their whole team is hurt. Richmond's got Northern Iowa tonight, 8 o'clock. Our coverage begins at 7.30 here on 106.1 ESPN. Spiders a, opened up as a favorite. They are now a two-and-a-half-point underdog. If you look at Northern Iowa, they have a rough record so far, uh, coached by Ben Jacobson, who's one of the better coaches in America. Uh, they are 2-6. and six. Their two wins were over Stanford and Loris. Uh, they lost by six in overtime to North Texas. They lost by nine to South Florida. They lost by two to Texas Tech. They are coming off a two-point overtime loss to Evansville. It's a very veteran team, though. Uh, they got a lot of juniors in their starting lineup. And this is a team that came here, if you remember, last year and did not play very well. It was a very good start for the Spiders. Excuse me. It was a very good uh, second half for the Spiders, who were up as much as 16. And uh, so, obviously, we'll see what they could do. You know, the Richmond's a completely different team on the road. So, you know, they played well. They played terrible at the start of the Wichita State game. They came all the way back. They tightened things up, entered halftime. Then the second half, they played terrible again. And Wichita State got a double-digit win. The Boston College game was... Obviously, Richmond was up double digits, and then they lost the lead, and then Boston College pulled away. Those are the only two true road games. They've had a couple of neutral court games. But Spiders have to keep playing well on the road. That's all there is to it. They have to get better because their next game, Saturday, is down in Sunrise, Florida against the Gators. And while that is a neutral court game, that will be a true road game. And then they come home for four straight at home. But um, Spiders are 5-3. and three. They they have two things that are really extreme. They're number one in offensive turnover percentage in terms of fewest turnovers percentage in the country. 10.9% of their possessions have been turnovers. That's number one. They are 359th on offense in free throws attempted for field goals attempted. Basically, it's how much are you getting fouled on your shots. Richmond is 359th. That means there are three teams who are worse or have less. So those are the two numbers. If Richmond's turning the ball over, that's going to be uncharacteristic. If they're getting to the free throw line a lot, that is also going to be uncharacteristic. They take on Northern Iowa tonight, 8 o'clock. Our coverage begins at 7.30. And then I'm looking here to see if there's anybody else. Uh, Division 1, no, I do not see anybody else. Obviously, George Mason lost last night. UVA got a win last night. Liberty got a win last night. Um, So that's what's kind of going on with regards to college basketball in the state. Let's take a time out. We'll do one final segment, get you set for tomorrow's show and the rest of the week ahead. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond and find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN, Matt Joseph's here. Um, final segment coming up on the show tomorrow. So, once again, I like to be honest with my listeners. We're supposed to schedule, we're supposed to tape an interview tomorrow with Ricky Ronnie, the uh, head coach of Old Dominion. So, we'll play you that interview uh, coming up at uh, some point tomorrow on the show. We'll, we'll, I may get, it might be time 
to get the show lawyer on the on, on to talk a little bit about this Charlie Baker stuff. We might have to get Alicia Jessup on to talk about what's going on with this Charlie Baker stuff. And she's done a lot with regards to NIL. Maybe it's time to ask her about uh, NIL stuff and things like that and maybe get into a couple of other things with her. So I might have to send an email out and see what happens uh, if she will respond as the uh, quote-unquote unofficial show lawyer. Um, Don't forget, coming up on Monday, we will be out at the Henrico Sports and Events Center uh, for the Holiday Cheer and Gear. And Bob and I will be broadcasting live, accepting new sporting equipment to benefit the Salvation Army Christmas Assistance Program, new basketballs, footballs, baseball gloves, hockey sticks, tennis rackets, whatever you think any child, boy, girl, whatever, uh, would want to wake up to for the holidays. I mean, obviously, a lot of us have had the excitement of getting toys under uh, your Christmas tree or your stocking or whatever. Um, these folks would love to do so as well. So whatever you can do, join us at the Henrico Sports and Events Center. And then obviously stay afterwards. Women's basketball, VCU in Delaware. Uh, you could get tickets and information at HenricoSEA.com. So uh, that's coming up on Monday. So use this weekend to go and uh, figure out some sporting goods and bring them over on Monday. That's uh, for sure. All right. I'm guessing this is the same texture that I always get with regards to VCU. He said, let's just call it what it is. VCU's not a good team. Beating Memphis would not change or erase the fact this team has been a complete disappointment. The two, three guys not playing uh, wouldn't change what we've seen. The talent is going elsewhere because VCU is a stepping stone. Well, first off, yes, that is correct. VCU is a stepping stone school. And um, that's just the unfortunate nature. JMU is a stepping stone school. There are a lot of schools in in college that unfortunately will be the ones who keep their coaches until they are too good, and then you have to hit the next one. The good thing is that Ed McLaughlin, for the most part, has been able to get good hires. Jeff Bourne has done a tremendous job of hiring the right guys at James Madison. It says something about the VCU program that a 4-4 four four start is disappointing. Because... If you look at this, I think everybody's rational expectations for VCU this coming season was being in the mix at the top three or four of the A-10, which is still a possibility, and potentially making the NIT or having an outside shot at the field of 68. Uh, I can't help you if you had irrational thoughts on where this team was going to go. There were so many new pieces, and obviously, yes, they did the overseas tour and everything, but like with so many pieces, there was no way to just expect that they were going to come out in the court and be perfect and be like the Harlem Globetrotters. It's just not the case. So I'm certainly not writing off Ryan Odom. I'm certainly not writing off this team. You know, I think it's also funny. We never give credit to the opponent. McNeese State is 8-2. and two. Norfolk State is 6-3. and three. Iowa State is 6-2. and two. And Boise State is 5-3. and three. You didn't lose to a team with a losing record. You didn't lose to a team that's, that's really bad. You lost to some teams you're not used to losing to. You lost to two teams at home. But this program is not falling apart because they're 4-4. Four and four. We'll see what happens tonight. And then we'll see what happens when Sean Bearstow plays. He's a large part of this team that they thought they were going to have. And then he gets hurt. And now they're trying to figure things out. I get it. Expectations are awesome. But maybe if we made reasonable expectations, that would certainly help things out. So, yeah, if they win, if they beat Memphis, tremendous. We'll see what happens. I think they will. I think there's a good chance they will. Uh, Thanks to our guests, Rodney Ashby, Ram Radio Network. 
And thanks to our other guest, um, Jalen Lane, the Hokies wide receiver. If you ever miss an interview, go to our website, ESPNRichmond.com. We put them up there. We'll certainly tweet them out on our uh, Twitter account, at ESPNRichmond. And as I said, on the show tomorrow, we will hopefully catch up with Ricky Ronnie before the show. We'll play you that interview on Thursday, and maybe we'll catch up with the show lawyer as well, our show law expert. Thanks to Lewis. I'll be back tomorrow, 3 to 4, here on 1061 ESPN. Richmond Spiders Athletics all year round. W291CL Lakeside Richmond. WURV HD2 Richmond. We are 1061 ESPN.